This broadcast of the PJC Media Network seeks to present wholesome, thought-provoking, and entertaining content. However, the views expressed by the hosts of PJC Media are theirs and theirs alone. They do not reflect the views of this network or its affiliates. Please utilize listener discretion. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White Show. Each week, we feature different topics concerning issues that sometimes can be difficult to talk about. These issues concern children and adults who may be autistic, have Asperger's, or have mental disorders of any kind. We will discuss law enforcement and how they interact with these persons. Now, let's start the show. Good evening, good evening, and let's talk about it with Jenny White. Tonight, tonight uh, we're going to talk about the title of the book, The Mountain is You. And we want to know, why do we do it? When do we do it? And how do we stop doing it for good? Koa is sister but conflicting needs create self-savage behavior. This is why we resist efforts to change often until they feel completely futile. But by extracting crucial insight from our most damaging habits, building emotional intelligence by better understanding our brains and bodies, releasing past experience at a cellular level, and learning to act as our potential future selves, we can step out of our own way and into our potential. And right now I'm going to introduce you, although you all know it, this is my co-host, Mr. Coleman. How you doing? Good. Good afternoon, Jenny White. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. It's a good Friday, Fish Friday. Yes, and I think you got two little ones with you today. I do, and they're driving me crazy. (laughs) But I love it. I know you do. But yeah, we're going to so, um, be talking about uh, the mountain is you. Now, that's kind of cute. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, this is a book um, by an author, Brianna Weiss, W-I-E-S-T. And it talks about transforming self-sabotage into self-mastery. It talks about how um, a lot of us have uh, behaviors that uh, prevent us from being our best selves, um, some conscious uh, behaviors and some unconscious. But we have uh, a lot of self-sabotaging characteristics, whether it's procrastination, uh, or whether it's negative talk, and I mean, you know, some people I'm sure can relate to uh, negative people um, that, you know, the glass is half empty type of people. 
And so, um, you know, I want to do a series on this book, uh, you know, just basically for self-help and to help somebody out there in the listening audience to become your best self and pick up some principles that will help you uh, transform your mindset and your way of thinking to help you accomplish whatever goal that you may have, uh, as small a goal or as large a goal as you may have, uh, but you want to make a correction in um, your perception and some of your behaviors in order to be the best that you can be. And so that's, you know, that's where we'll start today, and we'll talk about this for the next couple of weeks. And if anybody is interested in purchasing the book so you can kind of follow along, I'm going to read some chapters today uh, and then answer any questions, uh, you know, from anybody or if anybody has any comments regarding anything um, that I may read that may burst some thoughts in your own personal life. Um, but The uh, Mountain is You in a Nutshell uh, by Brianna Weiss wants to help you take control of your life. So many of us fall victim to our own self-sabotaging behaviors, and it's her mission to help you recognize how you are holding yourself back. Starting out with an in-depth explanation of self-sabotage, she explains to us how it is a complex coping mechanism rooted in irrational fear, inherited belief systems, and negative associations. The first step to overcoming self-sabotaging behavior is to recognize that we are doing it and to leave our denial at the door, starting right where you are, dedicating yourself to making one small change after another. Brianna Weiss assures us that it is possible to overcome the obstacles that we ourselves constantly put in our own way. Brianna Weiss offers the reader advice and practical tips on how to take immediate steps to correct common self-sabotaging behaviors. She takes an in-depth look at how emotions such as pride, fear, and guilt drive us in our subconscious commitments, which in turn exist in relation to our subconscious needs. So what you're saying is that what I said earlier is why do we do it? When do we do it, and how do we stop doing it for good? Is that what you're exactly. talking about? Okay. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. So, you know, um, the book, you know, reminds us to be gentle with ourselves and to start where we are, take baby steps, and to have compassion for ourselves in what is a profoundly complicated and painful process. I mean, you know, admitting to some of the things that uh, some of the the negative things or things that are holding us back uh, can be um, quite painful. So achieving self-mastery requires mindfulness, consistency, and a willingness to face the deepest part of your subconscious. She invites you to state, she invites you to stare your trauma in the face, reckon with it, and finally allow yourself to feel a lifetime work of suppressed emotions in order to free yourself of them. By developing an intellectual awareness about our emotions and how our bodies physically process them, we can distance ourselves from our feelings while learning how to successfully let them run their course. So the goal is to build mental strength and resilience. 
because our life is defined by our actions, by learning to take steps forward, even when it's hard and especially when we don't want to, we will build momentum toward momentum toward deep, lasting, and fundamentally authentic personal growth. We can achieve our greatest goals and desires. We can become the true masters of our lives. So that is where we are going to begin. Um, okay, so, well, it says something about resisting efforts to change. So, and you're saying that we need to change? Well, if you, you know, are going to be better and the best person that you can be is going to require some change. I mean, you know, there will be people that are who they are and say, I am who I am, take me as I am, and, you know, and they – don't feel that anything's wrong with them, and, and you know, and, and, and what is wrong with them, they don't care. They ain't going to change it. Either you like it or you don't. Um, and so those those people, you know, can, you know, tune to another podcast, and you know, because this isn't going to help them. But anybody that recognizes that they can be better than they are, they got some goals that, you know, they, for whatever mental blocks are preventing them from moving forward or doing whatever it is, whatever task it is, whether it's cleaning your cleaning your bedroom or cleaning out your your your, your uh, storage in your basement or whatever the goal may be that is preventing us from doing it, um, you know this information is for those people. Okay, but you know I know that uh, you said first uh, we need to change and we have some most damaging habits but you know a lot of times we don't take that as being something bad you know how do you get to the point where you feel that you're at um at a corner where you need to change. Well, I'm going to read these chapters, and, you know, it's a matter of everybody just, you know, figuring it out, figuring it out. Uh, we'll figure it out together. I mean, you know, everybody figures it out for their life um, because, you know, there are different things for different people. Um, but I'm going to start reading uh, with Chapter 1 right now. Like I said, this is going to be a series, so, um, you know, I'll read it, and if you get the book on your own, you can, you know, you can read it on your own. We'll talk about it, and then we'll go from there. So uh, to start it off, Chapter 1, The Mountain of You, there is nothing holding you back in life more than yourself. If there is an ongoing gap between where you are and where you want to be and your efforts to close it are consistently met with your own resistance, pain, and discomfort, Self-sabotage is almost always at work. On the surface, self-sabotage seems masochistic. It appears to be a product of self-hatred, low confidence, or a lack of willpower. In reality, self-sabotage is simply the presence of an unconscious need 
that is being fulfilled by the self-sabotaging behavior. So to, I'm going to read that again. On the surface, self-sabotage seems masochistic. It appears to be a product of self-hatred, low confidence, or lack of willpower. In reality, self-sabotage is simply the presence of an unconscious need that is being fulfilled by the self-sabotaging behavior. So there's a need that we have unconsciously uh, that we're fulfilling by uh, the self-sabotaging behavior. So to overcome this, we must go through a process of deep psychological excavation. We must pinpoint the traumatic event, release unprocessed emotions, find healthier ways to meet our needs, reinvent our self-image, and develop principles such as emotional intelligence and resilience. So if you don't have a pen and a pad, you might want to get it because there's a lot of good information that we're going to be going over. And so, you know, as you get these nuggets and certain information, you might want to jot them down um, because it is no small task, and yet it is the work that all of us must do at one point or another. When Carl Jung was a child, he fell on the ground in school and hit his head. When he got hurt, he thought to himself, yes, maybe I won't have to go back to school now. Though he is known today for his insightful body of work, he actually didn't like school or fit in well with his peers. Shortly after his accident, Jung began experiencing sporadic and uncontrollable fainting spells. He unconsciously developed what he would call a neurosis, neurosis, and ultimately came to realize that all neuroses are substitutes for legitimate suffering. In his case, he made an unconscious association between fainting, fainting and getting out of school. He came to believe that the fainting spells were a manifestation of his unconscious desire to get out of class where he felt uncomfortable and unhappy. Likewise, for many people, their fears and attachments are very often just symptoms of deeper issues for which they do not have any better way to cope. So using self-sabotage is a coping mechanism. Self-sabotage is a coping mechanism. Self-sabotage is what happens when we refuse to consciously meet our innermost needs, often because we do not believe we are capable of handling them. Sometimes we sabotage sabotage our relationships because what we really want is to find ourselves, though we are afraid to be alone. Sometimes we sabotage our professional success because what we really want is to create art, even if it will make us seem less ambitious by society's measures. Sometimes we sabotage our healing journey by psychoanalyzing our feelings because doing so ensures we avoid actually experiencing them. Sometimes we sabotage our self-talk because if we believe in ourselves, we'd feel free to get back out in the world and take risks and that would leave us vulnerable. In the end, self-sabotage is very often just a maladaptive coping mechanism. 
a way we give ourselves what we need without having to actually address what that need is. But like any coping mechanism, it is just that, a way to cope. It's not an answer, it's not a solution, and it does not ever truly solve the problem. We are merely numbing our desires and giving ourselves a little taste of temporary relief. Self-sabotage comes from irrational fear. Sometimes our most sabotaging behaviors are really the result of long-held and unexamined fears we have about the world and ourselves. Perhaps it is the idea that you are unintelligent, unattractive, or disliked. Perhaps it is the idea of losing a job, taking an elevator, or committing to a relationship. In other cases, it can be more abstract, such as the concept of someone coming to get you, violating your boundaries, getting caught, or being wrongly accused. These beliefs become attachments over time. And sometimes people will give you those attachments, and we don't even know we're affected by them. But sometimes, you know, it's not by accident, it's by design. For most people, the abstract fear is really a representation of a legitimate fear because it would be too scary to actually dwell on the the real fear. We project those feelings onto issues or circumstances that are less likely to occur. If the situation has an extremely low likelihood of becoming reality, it therefore becomes a safe thing to worry about because subconsciously we already know it isn't going to happen. Therefore, we have an avenue to express our feelings without actually endangering ourselves. I'm going to read that paragraph again. For most people, the abstract fear is really a representation of a legitimate fear. So our fear, you know, the abstract fear, what we appear to be afraid of is really a representation of something that we are afraid of because it would be too scary to actually dwell on the real fear. So we project those feelings into issues or circumstances that are less likely to occur. If the situation has an extremely low likelihood of becoming reality, it therefore becomes a safe thing to worry about because subconsciously we already know it isn't going to happen. Therefore, we have an avenue to express our feelings without actually endangering ourselves. For example, if you are someone who is deeply afraid of being a passenger in a car, maybe your real fear is the loss of control or the idea that someone or something else is controlling your life. Perhaps the fear is a moving forward, and the moving car is simply a representation of that. Wow, that's deep. If you were aware of the real issue, you could begin working to resolve it, perhaps by identifying the ways you are giving up your power or being too passive. However, if you aren't aware of the real problem, you'll continue to spend your time trying to convince yourself to not be triggered and anxious while riding in the car and find that it only gets worse. If you try to fix the problem on the surface, you will always come up against a wall. This is because you're trying to rip off a Band-Aid before you have a strategy to heal the wound. 
Self-sabotage comes from unconscious negative associations. Self-sabotage is also one of the first signs that your inner narrative is outdated, limiting, or simply incorrect. Your life is defined not only by what you think about it, but also what you think of yourself. Your self-concept is an idea that you have spent your whole life building. It was created by piecing together inputs and influences from those around you, what your parents believed, what your peers thought, what became self-evident through personal experience, and so on. Your self-image is difficult to adjust because your brain's confirmation bias works to affirm your pre-existing beliefs about yourself. When we self-sabotage, it is often because we have a negative association between achieving the goal we aspire to and being the kind of person who has or does that thing. If your issue is that you want to be financially stable and yet you keep ruining every effort to make you make to get there, you have to go back to your first concept of money. How did your parents manage their finances? More importantly, what did they tell you about people who had it and people who didn't? Many people who struggle financially will justify their place in life by disavowing money as a whole. They will say that all rich people are terrible. If you grew up with people who told you your entire life that people who have money are this way, guess what? They're going to... Okay, hold on. It says if you grew up with people who told you your entire life that people who have money are this way, guess what you're going to resist having? Hmm. Your anxiety around the issue that you're self-sabotaging is usually a reflection of your limiting belief. Maybe you associate being healthy with being vulnerable because you had a parent who was perfectly healthy when they suddenly fell ill. Maybe you aren't writing your magnum opus because you don't really want to write. You just want to be seen as successful because that will get you praise, which is typically what people revert to when they want acceptance but haven't gotten it. Maybe you keep eating the wrong foods because they soothe you, but you haven't stopped to ask what they have to keep soothing you from. Maybe you aren't really a pessimist but don't know how to connect with the people in your life other than by complaining to them. In order to reconcile this, you have to begin to challenge these pre-existing ideas and then adopt new ones. You have to be able to recognize that not everybody with money is corrupt, not by a long shot. Even more importantly, given there are people who use their money in selfish ways, it is even more important that good people with great intentions are fearless in pursuit of acquiring this essential tool to create more time, opportunity, and wellness for themselves and others. You have to recognize that being healthy makes you less vulnerable, not more, and that criticism comes with creating anything for the public and isn't a reason to not do it. You have to show yourself that there are many different ways to self-soothe that are more effective than unhealthy food choices and that there are far better ways to connect with others than through negativity. Once you begin to really question, observe, 
and observe these pre-existing beliefs, you begin to see how warped and illogical they were all along, not to mention distinctly holding you back from your ultimate potential. I'm going to read one more paragraph, and then we can go to a commercial break for a minute. Jenny White, all right? Okay, but I want to ask a yeah, because I no, want to ask a question. We have if we don't know that we are in a situation, how do we? Well, I guess something really bad has to happen in order for you to really understand that you're having a problem. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, you have to be able to identify that you have an issue because if you don't, then there's nowhere to start. I mean, you know, if you feel that everything is all right with you or you're perfect, then, you know, there's nowhere to begin. But if you are able to um, be true to yourself, I mean, you know, you can lie to everybody else, but you can't lie to yourself. Um, I mean, you can, but, you know, it don't work. The thing is, just like an alcoholic, the first step is, you know, admitting that you're an alcoholic before you can start healing. I mean, if you say, you know, if you're an alcoholic, but you say you don't have a problem, then, you know, you you know, you don't make the first step and you continue to drink and be in denial that, you know, everybody else is the problem and it is not you. You know, why the cops keep pulling you over because you're drunk driving, you know, you're just a little buzzed, you know. So you have to be able to be truthful with yourself. You have to be able to make, you have to be able to want to make a change. And without that, you know, if you have that, then that's the first step. But if you a person that says there's nothing wrong with me, everything I'm doing is fine, and I'm not going to change, I don't want to change, I'm too old to change, then this information is not for you. I mean, you know, you're going to be who you are. Your relationships are going to be what they are, you know, and your level of uh, success and happiness is going to be where it is. And, I mean, it is what it is. Like they say, you like it, I love it. But for those of us who have identified that we want to be better and that there are some things that are holding us back because all of us or, you know, most of us have some type of childhood issues, you know. Some people have childhood traumas. I mean, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, divorce of your parents or a parent passing away at an early age or um, domestic issues in the family. Some people have been molested, you know, while they were growing up. And, um, you know, and sometimes those things aren't addressed and sometimes that person never heals. So some, sometimes with 50, 60 years old, being run by a 10, 11-year-old self because that's the person that had experienced the pain, and that's the person that's controlling our life. And we never get to the point where, and a lot of people just don't have the tools to do it, 
to be able to say, you know, this is what happened to me then, and this is the things that I need to do to correct it um, and make those steps. I mean, unless you go to therapy and have somebody that Hello? Yeah, unless you go to therapy and have someone who can analyze those situations for you and give you tools to work to um, start healing yourself, a lot of us just don't have that capacity. And so, um, I mean, you know. You know, uh, I I, I, I hate to say this, but I have a, a friend and she and her mother don't talk, and they haven't spoken to each other for years. When she found out that she had, you know, somebody had messed with her when she was younger, and she found out, and she was upset because, her mother had known and had, you know, said nothing about it. So now this is years, and she and her mother do not speak to each other. I mean, how do you, because I, you know, and I spoke with her, and she said she's not going to talk with her mom. I mean, I, how do you... How do you get them together? I mean, it's your mom, and I'm, uh, you know, and I understand how she could feel bad, but at some, you know, point, we have to get up, I think. I, I, I don't know. It just... um well, I don't have a mother. She's been gone for a long time, and I was young. So I don't know if we would have been together. I don't know. But I would hope that, you know, that I love my mother. And I just can't see, you know, I don't know, and I know people do know what I don't know, but I don't know how you cannot love your mom. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe that's just me because my mother died uh, three days before my 10th birthday. And, you know, that kind of messed me. But... uh I would sure wish she was still here. But, you know, and a lot of people now have their mothers and they're having good problems. I mean, not problems, what I'm saying. But they um, they have a, a good relationship with their parents. And so I'm just saying it just seems so hard because that's, that's, that's your mother. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe someone else knows. Um, maybe someone had that kind of um, relationship and they 
can understand how, you know, it could be or it could not be. But I don't think I would want to leave the world and not have, you know, a relationship with my mother. Well, you have to understand that if your mother is the one that's causing you pain and you don't want to feel that pain, then you have to separate yourself from the problem. I understand it's your mom. Even if it's it's your your mother? I mean, if if your mother is negative towards you or causing you issues, I don't think any I don't think you you I don't think that you should subject yourself to anybody. I don't care who it is. This is my own personal belief. This is okay, my own well personal you belief. have you have someone that wants to say something to. So All right, caller, bring him on. Uh, hi caller. How you doing? Hello. Hello, caller. Hello, hello. You have a question? Okay, maybe he'll come back. I don't. Uh, know can't happened. hear you, caller. Can't hear you. You you still there, caller? Maybe you're on mute because we can't hear you. Yeah, I don't hear. But All I right. Well, back. try to call. But if anybody, if anyone would like to say something. You know, press the one. Okay. We have one. Hi. Hello? How, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Okay. Good, good. Welcome, caller. How, uh, you have a question or concern? I just wanted to piggyback on something that was said about um, a parent-child relationship. Not having um, interaction with a parent does not negate the love that you have for them or with anyone. Sometimes you have to love people for from a distance to keep yourself in a healthy state. So maybe that'll um, kind of answer the question I, I heard Jenny White um, pose. So let me ask you something. If something happened with you and your mother uh, way in the past, do you think you would still not be talking to her now? I think that a relationship may have to go through a healing process, so maybe there needs to be some therapy. Um, If there was an issue, I heard you say, where there may have been some type of molestation that took place. Right. So there, that person is dealing with trauma, and that trauma occurred, and the mother was aware of it. So there are many layers to that. Yeah. So it doesn't again. It doesn't speak to um, how the fact that you love a person. It it just at a at a point in life you have to save yourself. That's just like you know. Uh, a young lady that's been molested by her mother's boyfriend and her mother knows, and then her mother turns around and marries the man anyway. So, I mean, what are you supposed to do? Subject subject yourself to 
being vulnerable with your mother because you can't trust her. You know she's not going to protect you. And then you don't want to be around this man that, you know, is stealing on you, molesting you, possibly raped you, you know. So at some point, you, you know. I think you'll find in instances like that, you may, that that mother may have experienced some type of trauma as well. So it becomes a generational curse where it just continues to go on from one generation to the other. So not not saying that that takes place in every situation, but um, you'll find that that is something that is very common in um, family dynamics. Yeah, that's kind of rough. I have another caller. Hi, how are you? Hello, how's everyone doing today? Fine. Good, good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, I understand what y'all are saying, but isn't that kind of off the subject that we started on? Well, the subject was how would you, how would you improve yourself? How do you remove uh, things, right? So it's the inflection of self. And what we're getting into now with someone else who had, you know, who had a bad understanding, but that's not part of how you're going to improve yourself, is it? Yes. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's either or not. Either right. or not. Because, like I said, we all have all different types. We all have stories. Everybody got a story, right? But the thing is, until we identify what that problem is, we're just another person out there with a story. That's what I'm saying. I think it would be more like what should that daughter do to improve herself or what could she do to improve herself from the situation she's in? Not about the relationship between her and her mom and and why her mom thought at age six something happened and all. Is it, am, am I wrong or am I I'm just I'm half asleep so that that's the that's the situation. She found out that her mother knew and it is i don't know how that works i i don't but i don't know we have another person that would like to chime in hello and how are you tonight Jenny White i'm fine how are you and our wonderful co-host i would just like to say something a lot of times things happen to kids coming up, children coming up. But okay. A lot of times, but the whole thing is what we look at is trying to get free from whatever happened to you. We couldn't stop what happened to us, but you can, in trying to break down walls and chains on either side, you have to find some way to become free. Okay. The first, I remember um, when I was coming up, you know, my father was very brutal. And, and beating and always fighting, you know, and I would never have anything to do. You know, um, it, it was real. he just was out of off, off sync, if you want to say so. 
you say, but he, but he was going through some things also. And I know uh, my sister and I, went out, we were just talking about it uh, a couple of days ago. So one thing, I went, to, I took this seminar called Basic Youth Conflicts that people have that carry, that carry from their youth on to their adulthood. And one of the things that uh, this uh, was taught by Bill Gothard, and one of the things that he kept saying, you have to break free of that relationship in, in, in a positive way. And he uses the scriptures, okay? And he points out how you have to uh, find some way to forgive people, even if they don't ask for it. And then he said, you have to learn to talk to people. You have to say something, okay? And so he, um, uh, I, I shared with him what I was going, what I went through as a woman, you know, as a young girl growing up. I thought just always fight, whip, whip, whipping on us, beating on us, mad, angry, you know. And my mother, uh, a lot of times, she would just go along with the program. And then sometimes she would just, well, want, but just going off, let him going off and do what he wants, okay? So uh, he, he, this guy, this minister, he encouraged. He said, "Listen, you can just have a bad attitude, even for what you've gone through. Just a bad attitude. You ask forgiveness for that bad attitude." And I said, "But he's the one." He said, "Even for that, because there's a certain attitude a person is supposed to have towards their parents. You know, they, the scriptures talk about long life and all of this. You know, towards your parents, if you behave a certain way." God promises to bless, and that's one promise he makes. You ain't got to be saved or otherwise. He will bless and give you a successful life. So I took it upon myself. I didn't feel like I was wrong. But I said, you know what? I was, my daddy was sitting uh, looking at the television. I said, you know, Daddy, I want to talk to you. And uh, what, what is it, you know? I said, you know, Daddy, coming up, I, might, I, I feel like sometimes I had just a bad attitude towards you. Uh, you know, this. he said, oh, no, he said, what? You know, he was that. I said, no, bad attitude, and I want you to forgive me for that. And he looked at me. He said, no, 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 ain't no, ain't no, no, you know, he, my daddy ain't told, he never told anybody he was wrong. I said, no, daddy, it's important to me. Because I know you were trying to do everything you could. A lot of the things that happened to you, you were probably responding to it. But forgive me for having just a bad attitude towards you. And he said, well, how are you? No, I, know. I said, no, daddy, I want you to forgive me for that. And my daddy looked up at me. He said, Becky, I forgive you. He said, but a lot of times I wasn't right myself. Now, he said that. My daddy ain't never told nobody he was wrong in his life, you know. And so from that time on, you know, and I hugged and kissed him, you know. From that time on, the whole relationship with my father changed because he had gone through a lot of things. Coming up from the South, he even come to find out later on in life, he had seen his brother lynched, who was a businessman. He saw his, his, his He saw all this coming out of the South and angry. And a lot of times he wanted to work. He couldn't work because back then they would say, well, you ain't got no paper. You ain't got no education. You ain't got no this. You ain't got no that. He faced that, but then he was trying to take care of his family. And there was a 10-year difference between my mother and father. Like they had to get married. My mother was 14. My daddy was 24, you know. But, but he had to face that, too. A lot of things they had to face. And stuff. And so every time I would come over, hi, Daddy, how you doing? And I kissed him on his bald head. Someone's got to make the move to break down the bad relationship, the bad feelings. Yeah. But we, yeah. when you ask for freedom, you freed yourself, and you helped him to see himself. Then I remember when uh, they started this ADCU program. It was ADC for the unemployed. And um, 
uh, you know, because they used to have to, couldn't really get any type of money at all for the unemployed. And so what they did was they um, sent to McNamara Skills Center years ago for the unemployed, and he started learning. You know, my mother would sit down and do his homework, but, you know, men back then, they could, you could show what to do, and they were going to do it and they had to get their job done. Well, a long story short, um, he became a machinist operator, and he got about 20, 25 years worth of work. Where he, when he retired, he could, you know, he, you know, he, he could do something with his life, because he said, now they can't tell me that I ain't got no paper. And it's the funniest thing. Years later, when I started working for social services, the last worker that my mother and father had, he remembers my mother and father. And he remembered me. He told me one time. He said, um. I said, do I know you? He said, no, I know you. He said, how's your mother and father? He told me that. And I was working for social services. I worked for them for 37 years. But he remembered that case. He remembered that. And he was All able right. to do well, something. But somebody's got to well, take a stand. Go yes, ahead. but, you know, say, in, in saying that, I think um, going back to the self-sabotaging behavior, you know, uh, we originally, you know, were addressing the uh, subject about Jenny White talking about, you know, the, the woman and her parent and then addressing um, that her parent knew that she had been getting molested. And so going back to the self-sabotaging behavior is just that that lady, that woman, could have had behaviors uh, that were self-sabotaging because of that experience. Now, maybe not necessarily. Maybe she received some healing, some counseling, and things of that nature. But I think in general, uh, situations like that can uh, hold us back. Uh, sometimes we don't feel worthy. That is. Or sometimes, you know, we, we um, you know, hold ourselves back because uh, we feel that uh, our circle uh, will have to change. The people that we're comfortable and, and familiar with will have to change if we – uh, become who we really want to become. So uh, sometimes we self-sabotage ourselves to remain in those comfortable but uncomfortable situations and circumstances. Um, so that's what, you know, we're talking about today is whatever your whatever is holding you back, you know, whether it's a, a, a trauma from your childhood or maybe it's just uh, – a bad situation. Maybe, you know, you um, uh, were in foster cares and, 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 and that had this effect. Maybe you were uh, a teen parent and and that had uh, an effect on you that you, you know, con- makes you continue to self-sabotage. So, you know, the purpose of this book is just, yeah, the purpose of the book is just to identify um you know, some of the characteristics and traits that people have that are self-sabotaging, whether it's, you know, procrastination or just, you know, uh, a resistance to make the steps that are necessary to uh, accomplish and complete a goal, you know. Uh, So that's what we're talking about, and and, uh, I'm glad that this subject has uh, spurred, you know, a lot of conversation and, you know, things of that nature. Um, but with the uh, uh, few minutes that we have left, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to uh, read a couple more paragraphs, and then we can, you know, we can uh, continue to talk about it, talk about 
um, some key takeaways and reflections, um, some action steps and uh, self-evaluations, things of that nature, uh, so that we can kind of uh, sum up each week that we discuss this to kind of uh, get us a step closer to identifying some things in our own lives uh, and maybe in the lives of others. Can I say something also? I I understand what you're saying, but it was self-sabotaging me because I had such a bad way when it came down to males. I had a a way about myself, you know, be independent, be this, be her. Another thing, Joyce Myers, the evangelist Joyce Myers, she was being molested by her father, and her mother knew it. And she talks about how she had to get from under all that pressure. And look at that, look, and she has a huge ministry. She's not, you know, Joyce Myers, was, uh, her, her story is very good as to what happened to her. Her mother knew it and didn't, didn't do nothing about it. And she was able to clear that air with her father, you know. Um, and, but uh, I do, that, that's self-sabotaging because a lot of times I would be so independent and had my own way in doing this and that, that I turned a lot of men off. I turned them off, you know. Yeah, what you got, you know, this attitude. I'm my own, you know, all of this. And it is the self-sabotaging way I see it, but I had to get from under that. And uh, that helped me, and uh, also for Joyce Myers also. But I understand, and I am you know, interested in the, the book. That's a good uh, Go experience. Another something you can look at and see how it happened because she was really upset with her dad, but she ended up putting him in a house and you know and him his and her mother and you know and she went on and she um, you know got over it. It took yeah. her some time, but it did. Yeah. And we have to learn that. We have to learn yeah. that. But, uh, I, you know, and I can understand how somebody would be hurt if somebody that close to you, you know, would be okay with someone, you know, doing stuff like that to you. But, hey. Uh, you listen to Oprah's story. Oprah Winfrey, she was messed up with a little girl. Yes. Her story. Yeah. Oh. And look what she had to well, say, yeah. Well, like they say, but anyway, people but, hurt people. And so, you know, with the self-sabotaging behavior, let me uh, let me read these couple paragraphs and then we can okay, kind of close okay, out. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, so, so what we have is self-sabotage comes from what's unfamiliar. Human beings experience a natural resistance to the unknown because it is essentially the ultimate loss of control. This is true even if what's unknown is benevolent or even beneficial to us. Self-sabotage mm-hmm. is very often a simple product of unfamiliarity, and it is because anything that is foreign, no matter how good, will also be uncomfortable until it is also familiar. This often leads people to confuse the discomfort of the unknown with being wrong or bad or ominous. However, it is simply a matter of psychological adjustment. Gay Hendricks calls this your upper limit or your tolerance for happiness. Everyone has a capacity for which they allow themselves to feel good. This is similar to what other psychologists refer to as a person's baseline or their set predisposition that they eventually revert back to even if 
certain events or circumstances shift temporarily. Small shifts compounded over time can result in permanent baseline adjustments. I'll read that again. Small shifts compounded over time can result in permanent baseline adjustments. However, they often don't stick because we come up on our upper limits. The reason we don't allow those shifts to become baselines is because as soon as our circumstances extend beyond the amount of happiness we're accustomed to, we find ways both conscious and unconscious to bring Mm -hmm. ourselves back to a feeling we're comfortable with, even if it's uncomfortable. So we'll go to our upper limit. We get too happy. It's like, oh, this feels unfamiliar. Let me go back to being miserable. Like they say, misery, misery loves company. So we are programmed to seek what, we, what we've known. Even though we think we're after happiness, we're actually trying to find whatever we're most used to. All right, last paragraph for, the, for tonight. That self-sabotage comes from belief systems. What you believe about your life is what you will make true about your life. That's why it's so crucial to be aware of these outdated narratives and have the courage to change them. Maybe you have gone through the majority of your life believing that a standard $50,000 per year salary at a decent company is the most you'll ever be capable of. Maybe you spent so many years telling yourself, I am an anxious person. You started to actually identify with it, adopting anxiety and fear into your belief system about who you fundamentally are. Maybe you were raised in a closed-minded social circle or an echo chamber. Maybe you did not know what you could question or arrive at new conclusions about politics or religion. Maybe you never thought you were someone who could have great style, feel content, or travel the world. In other cases, your limiting beliefs might come from wanting to keep yourself safe. Maybe that's why you prefer the comfort of what you've known, the vulnerability of what you don't, why you prefer apathy to excitement. Think that suffering makes you more worthy or believe that for every good thing in life, there must also be an accompanying bad thing. To truly heal, you are going to have to change the way you think. You are going to have to become very conscious of negative and false beliefs and start shifting to a mindset that actually serves you. All right, how to get out of denial. Maybe this preliminary information about self-sabotage resonates a little bit, and maybe it resonates a lot. Either way, if you are here because you truly want to change your life, you're going to have to stop being in denial about your personal state of affairs. You're going to have to get real with yourself. You're going to have to decide that you love yourself too much to stop settling for less than what you really deserve. If you think that you could be doing better in life, you might be right. If you think that there's more that you are here to accomplish, you might be right. If you think that you are not being your authentic self, you might be right. It does not serve us to use endless affirmations to placate our true feelings about where we are in our journey. When we do this, we start disassociating and get stuck. 
in an effort to love ourselves, we try to validate everything about who we are. Yet those warm sentiments never quite seem to stick, only ever temporarily numbing the discomfort. Why don't they work? Because deep down we know we are not quite being who we want to be, and until we accept this, we are never going to find peace. We are in denial. We tend to go into blame mode. We look for anyone or anything to explain why we are the way we are. Then we start justifying. If you have to constantly on a near-daily basis rationalize why you're unhappy about your life, you are not doing yourself any favors. You are not getting any closer to creating the lasting change that you so deeply desire. The first step in healing anything is taking full accountability. It is no longer being in denial about the honest truth of you, about your life and yourself. It does not matter what your life looks like on the outside. It is how you feel about it on the inside. It is not okay to be constantly stressed, panicked, and unhappy. Something is wrong, and the longer you try to love yourself out of realizing this, the longer you are going to suffer. The greatest act of self-love is to no longer accept the life you are unhappy with. It is to be able to state the problem plainly and in a straightforward manner. That is precisely what you need to do to continue truly uprooting your life and transforming it. It is the first step towards real change. Take a piece of paper and a pen, write down everything you aren't happy with. Write down very specifically every single problem you face. If you are struggling with finances, you need a very clear picture of what's wrong. Write down every debt, every bill, every asset, and every bit of income. If you are struggling with self-image, write down exactly what you dislike about yourself. If it is anxiety, write down everything that bothers or upsets you. Foremost, get out of denial and into clarity about what's really wrong. At this point, you have a choice. You can make peace or you can commit to changing. The lingering is what is keeping you stuck. All right, and that's where I'll end with the reading for today. Um, so what are your thoughts at this point? Tell that dog to be quiet. I know. Who got a, who got Somebody a get that dog a bone. I'm trying to Put your phone on mute. Nobody put your phone on mute. Get that dog a phone. He got he, he got he's self sabotaging this call. <laughs> yeah, but um no, I think the uh the Mountain of Youth by Brianna Weiss is a great read. I think that it will help people identify things about themselves that they may want to change and help them get better. Some people may feel that they're they're too old, it's too late. They are who they are, and that's who they're going to die being. But for those of us who, you know, feel like, hey, I can be, I can be a little bit better, I can do more, I can earn more money, I can, I can feel better about myself. I can have better relationships. Um, then, you know, this information is for you. Um, 
you know, people that have bad relationships with people that are close to them that they love, but they have to love from a distance. Uh, that may be affecting them and, and, and may be causing them to self-sabotage, uh, have self-sabotaging behaviors that they're not even aware of. Um, and so um, it's, you know, it's just great information. You know, it makes you look into yourself. You have to be truthful with, you know, um, your circumstances, what's going on, and um, and it just, you know, shows you ways to heal. Uh, so, uh, anybody have uh, any any more thoughts that they'd like to share? Well, I would just like to say that uh, something was said, and it kind of gave me uh, something. I think Lucy brought it out about Joyce Meyer and the problem that she had by her dad and she was upset you know with both of them but she got over it she got over it and i was talking to my friend and she doesn't want to speak to her mother at all and her mom doesn't want to speak to her so I don't know how that is going to end, but, you know, I don't know. You only have one mother. That's the only mother you're going to have. So, you know, I mean, you can like another lady, but it still won't be your blood. So I don't know. I I don't know. But, you know, there are things that are happening in our lives. And a lot of times it, it hurts us. It hurts us. And sometimes it takes a while to come out. And then sometimes it's hard for people to come out. So, you know. That's just me saying. So um, I think that was a nice uh, speaking about it. I do. And if I could, I would try to get her to talk to her mother, but she doesn't want to at this point, you know, at this point. Well, so, you know, it seems it seems like you're putting all the responsibility on her. You know, it, it seems like you know you are. She should do this. She should do that because it's her mother. You know what? I, you know what? It. Let me let me say something. If someone is having an issue, whatever it is. You have to take your part, and if that other person does not, if they don't say that, uh, well, I did this, but I didn't want to, whatever, whatever, that's okay. 
as long as you get yourself together. That's what you need to do. You know, maybe she's there. That, maybe she's there already. Maybe she's she's bad peace with not ever talking to her mother again. Maybe she's already there. Maybe she's done that. You already no, said her mother don't want to talk to her either. She doesn't. So talk. I mean, it's kind of difficult to it's kind of difficult to talk to somebody that don't want to talk to you. Yeah, but what I'm I mean, saying is that point, you have to you have to do what you need to do. To get your well, maybe she's together. maybe she's maybe she's done that. I don't know. Do you, do you know whether she's she's at peace with that? No, she's not. But what I'm saying is, you have to take the responsibility of what you have to do because when you get in front of Christ and He say, "Well, did you do this? Did you do that?" Well, no, I was waiting for somebody else to do it. Uh-uh, that don't work. That don't work. So it's only what you do, what you do. You can't tell somebody else, well, you need to um, tell me that you're sorry and this, that, and other. You can't do that. What you have to do is make yourself what you're supposed to be. And whatever someone else does, that's not your, you know, you don't, you can't make people do stuff. But you have to get yourself together. That's what I'm saying. All right, Jenny White. All right. Well, I hear you. So with that being said, uh, we will continue next week with self-sabotaging uh, behaviors talking about the mountain is you because uh, we are our biggest obstacles, you know, and so we'll continue to have conversations in regards to uh, how to overcome that mountain. And like I said, if you want to buy the book, it's by Brianna Weiss, W I E S T. And that way you can kind of follow along and get ahead and, and, and heal yourself and, and, and join the conversation and talk about all the good uh, key takeaways and self-evaluations you've done and how you can help heal yourself and now you're the, best, <laughs> the best version of yourself that you ever thought you could be. So uh, Yeah, all right. So that's what we'll do for the next uh, couple weeks just to kind of get this out there and uh, – Hopefully it'll help somebody and uh, spur some good conversations, and uh, you know we'll we'll continue to talk about the issues and the, and some solutions to it as well. So okay, that is well my I have uh, okay, well I have a couple people that may want to have a last uh, word before they go. We'll bring Lucy? them on. For myself, um, I, 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 I do want to – I'm going to order the book because when you first talked about it, I was interested in it. But I'm, I'm, I can see this. After I called myself clear and conscious with my father, then my father, I would come over and he would talk to me because he had seen some things in my life. He said – he told me once, he said, Lucy, he said, I think you're afraid of men. He told me that after beating – yeah, you're afraid of men, so you wear this – hard shield around you. 
he started telling me things. He started telling me about how men are and all of this. He was afraid because he was concerned, been concerned for the longest. Because I guess he felt that he had done something, and he was trying to break those walls down that I had built around myself. And he would tell me certain things about, you know. He started trying to help me as his, old, as his daughter. And uh, I do appreciate that. But I had to take that first step. I had to take that first step. And that's okay. a step that we all have to take. I was right. sabotaged. He could see what I was doing, you know. He could see that. And it was a help. It was a real help to me. And in another area, because I could lose weight, you know, I would say, but maybe I was keeping the weight on as a cloak around me so that I would be pushed off. You know, you do a lot of things, like you say, self-sabotage yourself. And I could lose the weight, but I wouldn't keep it on. I would lose it. I would, and then, you know, I was sick, very sick with asthma, very sick with asthma. As I talked to my father and all of this, I started to gain control of my own health instead of all this medication, you know. I, you know, he was he's talking me, and then after all of a sudden, he was gone. And it's the first funniest thing that when the, um, I bought him uh, his suit, it was, he was there in the same suit I bought him. You know, but the relationship changed. He started mm-hmm. trying to help his, his spinster daughter, you know, so to mm-hmm. speak, you know. And uh, he started trying to help, you know. He, he knew the things that he had gone through, but he could see other things, you know. And I do, I'm thankful for that. Our relationship oh. totally changed. All over. And that, that's all I want to say. And you do sabotage yourself. Yeah. That's all I want to say. And I, I am interested in the brilliance. Okay. Uh, we have another person. I don't know I, if they're gone. But they had a lot of ones, ones, ones. <laughs> I think she's gone. Hi, I'm still here. I just... Um... I think this book is really interesting, and uh, self-sabotaging is something that definitely hinders us in uh, reaching our goals and fulfilling uh, our relationships. So I am looking forward to um, the next read. Well, listen, I'm happy that you were with us tonight. I'm so happy. So is that all you'd like to say before we learn we leave? No, a great show. Uh, again, I'm looking forward to hearing more. Okay, well, thank you. I'm glad you came in. So thank you. I'll tune in next week. Okay. Okay. Uh, before I go, I want to say, in my life, I've lived. I've loved, I've lost, I've missed, I've hurt, I've trusted, I've made mistakes, but most of all, I've learned. So that's what I want you to know. And I thank you for being here. And this is the end of the Let's Talk About It with Jenny White. Thank you guys for coming. Good night. And we'll hear Good night. for you next week. And well, tonight with you. Okay. Good evening, everybody. Have a good weekend. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>